0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're joining us today. I hope you feel supported and encouraged by this podcast every single week. And I'm excited about our guest today, Allie Payne, who is a parenting expert. I am not the expert, but she is. She helps parents end baffling blow ups and painful disconnection with their teens to build trust and respect. She's a certified relationship coach for families, and I loved learning from Allie today. I loved connecting with her. Allie shares about some dysfunctional family relationships in her own life that um, included her having an eating disorder and ultimately attempting suicide. So I do want to put a disclaimer there. If you are listening with your kids or anything like that, if that's something that you want to shield their ears from, you might want to do that for this episode. Allie is super passionate about empowering us, you, me, to have deeper, meaningful relationships with our kids where we can actually communicate well and listen well. Uh, I really hope you get something from this episode. You can follow Allie on Instagram. She's Allie, A L Y Pain, over there. Uh, and you can learn all all about everything she's doing at AlliePayne.com. She's got some great courses over there. If you do love this podcast or you find value in it at all, if you could leave us a quick rating interview on iTunes, that would be hugely helpful and new listeners finding us. All right, friends. And this episode of the podcast today is supported by Gooder. These are my favorite sunglasses. If you are not already wearing Gooder sunglasses, I don't know what you're doing because they are super affordable and functional and they don't break easily, which is what we all need with little children digging through our purses and whatnot Uh, they have really fun styles as well as really classic styles so you all can save when you go to gooder.com slash another and use the code another 15 for 15 percent off your order Uh, all right friends please enjoy my conversation with Allie all right Why is everyone yelling? Welcome everybody. Today on the show, we have Allie Payne. Welcome to the podcast, Allie.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Love having parents on the show who are a few steps ahead of me and have been there, done that. My kids are 10 and under right now. So I just feel so fortunate to soak in wisdom of people like you who have walked the walk and talked the talk.
1: And made lots of mistakes along the way. <laughs> don't we all? Yes, I hope so, because that's you're my people. Like, I don't do perfection.
0: <laughs> you know what? Um, I just heard you say this, and so I thought, let's start with this now that you said that. Um, on another podcast, I was prepping for this, um, and you said you can't make, what did you say? Something like you can't make mistakes on something that you weren't taught how to
1: do. Oh, you can't fail. You can't fail, fail at something you were never trained for. How, right. how are you supposed? So can we just stop beating ourselves up for one hot minute? I literally barely got six hours of training on how to get the creature out of my body and keep it alive for roughly 30 days. That was it. That was it. It's so
0: crazy. Like, and and just to even start with that part of parenting, like the very basics in the very beginning. You literally leave the hospital and you're like, uh I'm now in charge of this human and you know I kind of prided myself in those early days like I'm not gonna read the books you know I don't need to do what to expect when it's expecting and all that I'm just gonna like wing it but yeah. literally then like three days in I'm like googling parenting blogs to think like I is this kid supposed to be sleeping this much do newborns always sleep this much when do I do a nap, <laughs> nap schedule like all the things and I don't know who was supposed to tell us that because as a parent Um, who's been there, you also don't want to be a know-it-all to parents who are coming to and becoming parents for the first time. So maybe people felt like they didn't want to be that know-it-all to me. But yeah, I had no idea what I was doing and yet I still don't know what I'm doing.
1: There is no playbook. Maybe, let me rephrase. There's no personalized playbook, Mm, okay? Love that. Because we do now have a lot more information, psychology, about brain development, about relationship studies, um, about parenting studies, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, those are going to be helpful, but they're not going to be personalized to you. Yes. Because every brain is different, and therefore every relationship is different. So I highly encourage parents to dig into the great, fascinating And quick to apply information that we have now. And I also want to say, can you just give yourself a little bit of grace if it doesn't work out perfectly the first time? Because first of all, a lot of these things are change. Our brain hates change. Your teenager's brains hate change. Just a little FYI there. So if you are creating change by doing something different, uh, your child didn't potty train the first time, did they? Right. Did they get up and start running without ever falling the first time? Okay. So you, any change, anything you're going to try, you need to try and you need to try again and you need to try again and you need to try again. And then you need to start tweaking and making it personalized to you instead of saying, that's it. See, I'm a crappy parent um, and I failed or or my teenager is obviously the spawn of Satan because this isn't working. Like, stop that. Neither one is working and helping you.
0: I love that you hit on that because I think that that's so um, like with social media and all the like parenting experts all over the place, we see something once and we're like, okay, I'm going to start doing it this way. And that's such a good point. Like it's obviously not going to work the first time you try it. I mean, and if it does, Uh, that's amazing, but likely not.
1: No, it's no different than when your child was learning to walk and a thousand times they fell and a thousand times you picked them up and you said, try again, honey. You got this. It's the same with parenting. Try again, honey. Try again. Mm.
0: Allie, tell us how you became so passionate in your line of work with helping parents better communicate and have good relationships with their teenagers.
1: Um so I I had a troubled teenage hood of my own. Um, I came from a family, a very loving family, highly intelligent people who came from trauma as well. Um, And, you know, the old school, what parenting was based essentially on a military model Mm. because emotions got you killed. So there was no room for those. So shut up, sit down, only talk when you're spoken to ultimate compliance control. um, And that became morality, for parenting and so now we are moving into an era of parenting where we're realizing because science has proven it that we might want to acknowledge these Im- emotional things this messy thing and figure out how to relationship through that in messy emotion thing, so that we can perhaps mitigate a crap ton of the trauma and uh, mental health challenges and everything else that previous methods um amplified, I'm going to say created, I'm just going to say amplified. Um, and my parents were were no different. They were parents at the time. And um, we are extremely different. Uh, my parents are very high achievers. And so I grew up in a home where perfection, in my, in my experience, perfection was the only mode. You were either perfect or you, the fall from grace was hard and you felt it. And we were verbally told that via shame, guilt, criticism, judgment, all of the, again, parenting modes of the past. Okay, so I know I don't hate my parents, so let's just, can we just drop that right, right now? Oh, she right. must have this. No, no. Um, so on the outside, I had it all together. I was extroverted. I could make friends easily. I was also highly empathetic, aka part of a, outcome of trauma. Um, I was really intelligent. I was supposed to skip a grade, but my parents decided socially that wasn't a good idea. So on the outside, Hey, like who wouldn't want this kid, right? Like she's awesome. But I was a giant hot mess on the inside and nothing was ever enough. There was never enough to garner a soft, kind, positive comment, never. And so what I learned is that I needed to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And Although I was an award-winning athlete and award- an academic student, award-winning academic student, it still wasn't enough. It was never – it was not enough. So by 12, I was taking my babysitting money uh, and riding my bike to the mall to buy diet pills, mm-hmm. uh, which was an eating disorder that went on for 14 years, to be thinner, to be something that stopped the negative comments, to be perfect enough. Uh, I was started heavily drinking at 13, wow. um, to, to stop some, something, to just stop relieve the the – nightmare of messages going on in my head um and although I was maintaining my a straight a's and my athletics et cetera, by 15 things were starting to slip um and I I couldn't keep up anymore um I'm I'm not I think as smart as what people think I have a photographic memory that has been tested so uh, I look at things I remember them but that doesn't really help in advanced years of high school when you need to start applying the knowledge uh so that didn't go so well so by 16, the wheels were starting to fall off and I was pedaling fast, but I just couldn't keep up that external image. And by 17, three weeks into grade 11, I was like, no, nope, this isn't working. I can't do this. And, um, I had no support whatsoever. Um, so I just basically didn't attend a single Monday in grade 11. I just decided just not to show up because that was going to make it better. Um, I was going to hide from it. And, um, I went from straight A's to F's and failing out. And in February or March of my grade 11 year, I attempted suicide Mm. and um, surprise, I'm still here. So, uh, I decided, okay, well, I also suck at that. Perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I can't even do that well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I know that sounds crass, but that is literally where my head was at. Like I couldn't even be good enough at an eating disorder to get into health programs. Cause I wasn't good enough at that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't take my own life cause I wasn't good enough at that. It was just a constant. And so what I got to was, okay, well, you're here. I'm here and I never want to feel this way again. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do about it? So I limped my way through grade 11, uh, failing some classes, but I just made it through. And uh, in the summer between grade 11 and 12, I took a lot of time to reflect, to think, okay, what what works for me? What makes my brain happy? What do I like? And how do I create that for myself? So I did. I went into grade 12, believing that I was going to see joy in things. I was going to... Um, believe that people did like me. And maybe, maybe I could like me. That was a a stretch. That was a stretch. Um, I could have fun. Um, I got myself, my aunt had given me an agenda in May of grade 11, which I probably threw under my bed and ignored. And I went and grabbed it out. And I was like, hey, this is what I need. I need to stop relying on my brain to remember everything, even because when under stress, there's no memory that works. So good luck with that. Um, and so I started writing everything down in this agenda and I decided how I was going to take notes and how I was going to participate in class. And I decided who I was going to be, not based on an inauthentic version of me, but based on a version of me that I knew helped create me at my best. And I graduated grade 12 as the top academic athletic student in my high school. Um, the trophy is still in the trophy case at my high school. Um, and I went on to university and then realized wait a hot second here, all of this yelling in my brain, which is, I love the name of your podcast, (laughs) all of this yelling in my brain is not normal. Mm. Because you see, it was normal when I lived at home. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But all of a sudden, what was going on in my brain that was so loud, it didn't fit the environment anymore. So then I was able to go, wait, what? Why? This isn't okay. And I walked myself into student counseling, and I essentially have been in therapy or healing of some kind for the last 30 years, including becoming a certified life coach, certified relationship systems coach, which is a fancy name for working with families, um, and being a conference junkie, certificate junkie, reading all the books. Raising two children of my own, one of whom I've just realized, instead of actually having generalized anxiety diagnosed at eight, is now fully autistic, which was a proper diagnosis. He's 21. uh, And also being diagnosed with ADHD myself.
0: So how did you have or where did the emotional wherewithal come from to know you needed to go to counseling? And when you got your act together your senior year, like, did someone guide you? Like, how did you
2: how did you do that? Nobody.
1: It had no one.
0: Where did it I come from? It had no
1: one. You know, it's difficult to explain, but there's something in me that is always seeking freedom.
0: Mm. Aren't we all? I mean, geez, that's all I want.
1: Seeking seeking freedom and knowing. I, d- I guess I knew there was nobody in my corner. Like, there was nobody coming to help me. Mm. So figure it out. Figure it out. So I figured it out. I um I'm kinesthetic, which means I'm very connected to what I feel in my body. So that feels easy to me to to, rig- to figure out what feels good, what works. And yeah, no, there, there was nobody. I just, I don't, I don't know. I believe there is a call on my life for something bigger. Mm. And I think that faith has, although I was not... Um, I was raised in the church, but not one that I really connected to, um, a religion per se. I believe there's a reason.
0: Your faith in God. Yeah. I wouldn't have said it back then, but now I
1: wouldn't have said it back then, but now I 100% would say that.
0: Wow. So this is where your work stems from your own personal story. And wanting-
1: Absolutely. Because I do not believe that being a teenager needs to be so effing painful that you're left with a lifetime of trauma to heal. And I do not believe that being a parent needs to be so soul crushingly hard that you truly think you are ruining another human being and need to beat yourself up every day for that.
0: You know, the story you mentioned about attempting suicide, it's like, I think that that, other that along with like, you know, your child doing harming somebody else's life might be the greatest fears of parenting, like to think that your child might be in a mental state where they would actually feel like that. Um, even now when my oldest, like I hate myself, you know, like pretty typical things that kids kind of say when they're throwing tantrums, depending on who the kid is for a brief second there, usually I'm like, eh, he's just, you know, but for a brief second there, I'm like, what if? What if this is going to go too far? And that's really scary.
1: Yes, it is. It is for sure. And um, particularly in the era that our kids are growing up in right now, where um, we have had multiple examples of glorifying suicide, glorifying unaliving, Um, multiple examples where kids have packs and the letters and like it's this it's this romanticized, crazy ass way of thinking and and so and then social media you know which look social media is not all evil okay like it thanks to social media and COVID, it was only one of the only ways where our kids remained any had any connection really to their social network which is by the way a vital part of brain health um but it does um lead to so much more mental health challenges which we have also we can also prove the increase in anxiety, um, some behavioral issues, a lot of, and even teenagers who've been surveyed say that they know that, that they feel that when they're on social media for extended periods of time, but it's a scary, scary time to be parenting. And Mm -hmm. I think the worst thing is trying to go it alone. Mm -hmm. I absolutely do not believe in going it alone. That was parenting of the day. Yeah. Of the era, because of the morality that was somehow placed on parenting, you sure shoot didn't admit that you had shit going on in your home. Mm. Pardon me, I do swear like a pirate. That <laughs> um, you you didn't admit that you you put on a face, you put on yeah. your Sunday best, and you look like you had it together because you were a Hallmark card family, and 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 so. Again, we were raised in that, where, you know, in the words of of people close to me, you know, you don't air your dirty laundry, yeah, and i that's fine. I'm not saying like everyone needs to go do that, and it's it's the thing. you know, you have to do what works for you. but it's one of the reasons why I host my free parenting group on Facebook and then I have a private parenting p- group on Facebook as well, because I do not believe that doing this alone is helpful in any way because the beliefs that you're failing, you broke them or they are broken and it must be them that are the terrible thing. Just amplify. They just grow. And and what is that helping?
0: All right, everybody, this episode of the podcast is supported by ZocDoc.
1: Sometimes it's really
0: hard to find a doctor, especially when you're in a rush and there's nothing worse than going to a doctor's appointment and then realizing they don't take your insurance They don't give you the attention that you need. Their bedside manner isn't so great. And guess what? Zocdoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed. Take your insurance. Are available when you need them. And treat almost every condition under the sun. I love it when you can just get those reviews and with Zocdoc there are no alarms and no surprises choose from thousands of patient reviewed doctors and specialists browse doctor profiles upload and verify your insurance information and get your care that you need go to zocdoc.com/yelling and download the Zocdoc app for free then find and book a top rated doctor today many are available within 24 hours that's zocdoc.com z o c doc.com dot com slash yelling, zocdoc.com slash yelling. All right, back to the show. Let's talk about understanding the teen brain a little bit more. Can you explain how how things change when we enter a certain age?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um this is just the most crushing disappointment for me uh, in, in humanity that there is not a parent meeting in grade five mm, okay. that explains this information. It's mandatory. And if you miss it, you still have to watch the video or get the handout. Uh, and that there isn't a mandatory meeting for students in grade five to let them know, hey, uh, heads up, your entire brain's going to change, it's going to feel like you've like got psychosis, and and uh, but no big deal. Um, so the adolescent brain goes through the second and final growth phase of our entire lifetime it is one of the largest the second the the first by the way is as a toddler um so the the, your child and, and this is i think the giant slap in the face for parents is that you go through parenting for say you know 10 years roughly a decade not a big deal and you're like, okay, I think I'm finding my stride. Like, I think I'm getting this. Like, I have a child, you know, who knows how to use the toilet. They know how to put food in their mouth. They know how to get dressed. They have basic relationship skills. You know, can they live independently yet? No, but but they are more independent. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to pour myself a glass. i sip. That. We're doing this.
0: This is where I am right now, by the way. <laughs>
1: Okay. Oldest is well, ten.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh, give, give me uh-huh. some. Give me some words here.
1: Right, right. And then you wake up one morning and go, uh, "Excuse me, <laughs> who, who, and what is this in front of me that is behaving so opposed to the values in which we have raised you? Mm. You know better. And what is this moodiness, backtalk, sass?" you're right about everything. So what do we do as parents? We go, I got to shut that shit down because this is going to get worse. And so we do what worked for 10 years without the no understanding you are no longer dealing with a child's brain. So what happens is just also to give you like one little piece of data to make to kind of illustrate this. Children have roughly 16 emotions and feelings, okay? Children are learning to human how to use a toilet, how to put on clothes, how to base you have basic manners, how to do the basics, they're learning to human. The adolescent is learning how to adult, mm. and that is far more complex. Their brain has developed is developing the capacity for 88 different emotions and feelings. But here's the kicker. They don't have the intellectual capability yet to express, to name them, express it, articulate it, process it, release it, or heal from it. So instead you get a moody bear you're afraid to poke because they are constantly angry and frustrated. Can you imagine what that's like being in the brain? So their brain is going through a process called myelination, which is a densification process. It's going from a simple computer to a more complex computer. It's like building scaffolding and then filling in all the scaffolding in their gray matter. Uh, It is actually growing in their brain, but even more fun, it's growing at random rates on random days, which you can prove has random blood flow increase to random parts of the brain any given time of day. It's not linear. Sounds chaotic. Um, Oh, it is uh, one trapeze short of a Cirque du Soleil show and it's not gonna go well. Um, And then they also are, their brains are, now that part is like two to three years, okay? The new hardware part but in the process the first thing that actually happens is they get the capacity for for way more complex emotions they have the capacity okay for it they don't have the capability yet to know what the heck to do with those and the software for this new hardware The most recent studies show that the, which is, by the way, that is the prefrontal cortex, that is all of their executive function, decision-making, critical analysis, risk assessment, big picture thinking, um, all of those, that doesn't fully develop until 28. Wow. So you got a car with a gas pedal, but the brakes don't quite work yet. And so What happens again, this is the the number one, I just wrote an article on this last week. The number one belief that will derail, will ruin, honestly, it'll ruin your relationship with your team is my, they're doing this on purpose Mm. because you're not told this, not funny. So you think they're acting out on purpose. They're doing this on purpose. It's all, they're, they're just doing this to defy you. I mean, there's no other reason, Right. And so you just keep doing what you know and you do harder and more and harder and more. And then you like, then you call me. And so this is what, this is why I, it's not funny. Why are we not telling parents this? Wow. Okay.
0: just so schooled us all. Thank you so much. That was so, so, so empowering to hear. Here are my questions following up from that, knowing what we know, you know, I think back that generation you're talking about my parents were so young when they had us they were like 19 Mm. 20 and wow and it was another generation right like right two things like we're just doing what we think like we're just doing this like we're just doing this thing whereas now oftentimes we become parents 10 years later than that or you know give or take yeah not always but typically (laughs) Um, so we have had more life experience. We understand things a little bit more. We do more research. So knowing what we know now that we know it, what are some ways we can better communicate with our teens when we know, oh my gosh, they feel so out of control right now. But at the same time, I do need them to respect me and I want to respect them.
1: Yes. So this is one of the most counterintuitive things. Talk less, listen more. Talk less, listen more. I I created a free 10-day listening challenge just because of this exact thing. It kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And I was like, okay, no, we got to address this. Is that your teenagers, because of their brain renovation, they are often in a state of overwhelm. Because remember, they're supposed to learn all day too. So they're coming home completely overstimulated with a barrage of information, none of which they care about or see relevance to their world, but they're supposed to care about. Um, plus, all of the relational stress in the day: Did that person say my name? Yes. Did they look at me funny? Did the teacher just look? And then there's all the inter, the in, uh, intrapersonal awareness: Do I have a zit on my nose? Is my hair okay? Does my shirt look dumb? Does the- so they're going through. It. This is a whole day, okay? Then they come home and they are full of sass. Yeah. Well, basically they've been signed up for a a 10 year uh, career called school, which they hate and see no relevance for, get no real reward for, and don't get to make their own choice about it until after a decade at least. Um, So they're pissed off. And what you want to do is launch, shut them down and then launch into a lecture about family values and, 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 and how we treat people and what is morally right and Yeah, you lost them at your second word. Uh, They have shut you out if not walked away. So what you want to do is make space. This is not their fault that they now have 88 different emotions that they feel in their body but have very little way to effectively communicate. And P.S., they do not wake up one day with that just software installed and wake up and go, mother, I am now feeling annoyed and frustrated (laughs) about that. They don't get that. That's you. But we're not told that either. Your job is to help them develop an emotional vocabulary so that and make emotions safe. All of them do not lower label emotions, please. They're all human. All of them, the whole thing, because we've already done generations of raising half humans who only have, quote, good feelings. Okay, but no, 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 we don't do bad feelings. Can we just drop that crap right now? So you better get real comfy with messy emotions that aren't about you. Mm. That's the number one thing that parents who take my programs tell me is the minute I stopped seeing this as personal, I had so much more capacity for compassion and understanding and, and mentoring and directing them. And I didn't have to try and control them. And I didn't have to conversation them to death and I didn't have to talk lecture. Um, so telling, getting your team to be like, it's okay. You know, just empathize, empathize, validate. It's okay. If you're overwhelmed, it's okay. If you don't want to talk, I love you. It's okay. Like, yeah, you must be really frustrated. That must be really annoying when your teacher does that. Yeah. You know, and then, so unfortunately I am answering your question. I know in the long route, you've got to be able to do all that first and say less, mm-hmm. listen more. Your days of lecturing are done. Okay. Just say less and set the boundaries. Okay. Okay. How do we do that? Right. Okay. So the boundaries are, I'm just going to give you one quick example relative to what we're talking about that your team comes home and is just full of a lot of stuff that you're like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that is too much for me, mister. (laughs) So you can say to them, Hey, listen, I love you and I want to hear what you have to say. Those specific words and phrases. So whatever they said, you've got to be specific. Those specific words and phrases uh, feel that crosses a line for me of disrespect. Is there other words you could use? Is there another way you could you could share this with me? Now, listen, I promise you, they are going to give you a very sour look. And they're going to be angry probably snort out their nose before turning around and then going to the room and slamming the door or at least saying, you don't understand. Okay, so, so I'm just saying that, okay. Until you have said this a million times and feel like a broken record, you have not said it enough. Mm. Give them five or 10 minutes. Then I want you to go to their room and knock first. Do not go in their room without permission. Please stop that. And I want you to say, even through the door, I love you. What you have to say matters to me. Are you willing to try again? And then I want you to say it again. And then I want you to say it again. And you keep saying those words and phrases have crossed my line around disrespect. Is there another way? And then in doing that, again, building emotional vocabulary, which is one of the things I do with every parent I work with, is give the, the, the feeling wheel by Dr. Gloria Wilcox, is start giving them an emotional vocabulary. Because as I said, you cannot expect a child to reframe what they're saying as if they just developed the software, which, again, doesn't develop until they're 28, finish developing until they're 28. Give them the emotional words to use so they can reframe what they're saying. But if you say oh no, we do not talk to each other like that. You go to your room. What you have just said is your emotions are not welcome here. This new part of you, I don't like. It is shaming. Is it emotional? It is emotional abandonment and it will get you so much more of what you don't want.
0: Tell us more about this emotional wheel. Is this like a physical thing you show your kids?
1: Yes. Yes. I actually have it sitting on my, yes, uh, it is. It is uh, Dr. Gloria Wilcox, the feeling wheel. And I, and I give every parent that, and I did two little three minute videos on how to use it that I I tell parents, you bring that out at dinner every single night, Mm. every single night, because if we don't make the whole gamut of emotions safe and normal by you modeling it, Where is your child ever going? They're going to be another half human. Like we were raised as good emotions and bad emotions. Well, I can tell you that is a wonderful source of mental health challenges Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because you learn to deny, abandon, and suppress the part of you that isn't pleasing to your parents to earn their love and approval. So this emotion, the feeling wheel, I, I say, bring it out at dinner every night. And every person starting with you says one feeling, That they had that day and if you don't know what the feeling means get your teens to look it up on their phones Mm. or if if you're i don't encourage phones at the (laughs) dinner table but like get them to look it up and everyone shares one feeling they had that day your teenagers do not need to play in it is not safe for them at first you are modeling this and i don't care if you do this till the end of time and then the last few days they leave before university they decide to play in Don't care. So
0: you offer it, you you don't demand
1: it. 100%. Well, what are you modeling? How can you expect them to do it if you're not doing it? So it's about creating a behavioral norm in our family that we talk about feelings. Now, optional step two Mm -hmm. is optional Mm -hmm. for them, Mm -hmm. not for you. Mm -hmm. You talk about what was going on when you had that feeling. So I was feeling really frustrated this morning on my way to work. I hit the red lights, I got to work late. So I was in a rush to get to my meeting and then my colleague that needed the report to get to me for this meeting didn't have it ready on time. So I was felt super frustrated. Now your teenager can number one, just pick a feeling they had that day. They do not need to optionally tell you what was going on for them that day, but eventually they will. Mm. I do this a lot. Trust me. Eventually they will, and they will start. But also here's the next part. Remember that say less thing. You don't get to ask questions. Mm. You don't get to ask questions because you've just tried to build emotional safety and then they really dipped a toe in the pool and then you tanked emotional safety. You don't want to interrogate them. That's how they feel. Yeah. That's how they feel. So you can always, the always option is if you want to talk, share more about it, great. And if you don't, great. And that's it. I mean, but
0: how early do you introduce this? Because i mean, like, my kids are four, eight, or how old are my kids? Four, six, eight, and ten. And I'm like, I feel like this would be a great exercise for them even.
1: It would be. There are I have different charts. Okay. Um I can get to you. I have the the there's a child one that is kind of it's six basic okay. emotions and feelings, which is kind of up to sort of an elementary school kind of age. Okay. And then I have the one that is uh more developed and it's sixteen different emotions and feelings. The the adult one, which is also why I strongly recommend and and want every single parent in the world across the globe and no I don't get anything for this comment is to have Renee Brown's Atlas of the Heart book because that is exactly why she wrote it mm. it that is she wrote it for families to sit down and start talking about emotions because her her research shows the uh, the average adult can clearly articulate 3 to 5 of the 88 feelings wow and then we wonder and and she can all scientifically, we can also prove if you cannot name or articulate your emotions, you also cannot effectively process, heal from and release them and they get trapped in our mind and our body and we wonder why we're all sick. Mm.
0: Is that one of her newer books or is that an older book?
1: No, it's her newer when it oh, came January. out um, a year ago. Yeah, it came out a year ago, Atlas oh. of the Heart.
2: Oh, wow. Yes,
1: and so I actually, parents in my program, um, I give that away as a as for parents who uh, take advantage of early bird pricing is they, I send it to them oh, immediately.
0: That's so good. Gosh, there's so many other ways we can go with this, but we only have time for a few more questions. Um, let's talk about helping our kids have self-belief. It's such a hard time like as teenagers you question everything you don't think you're good enough because this group of friends isn't including you or you didn't make this team and um, are there any tips you have for I don't know if tips is the right word but just phrases or words or encouragement that we can be and give our kids when they're going through this self-doubt in their life
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the first thing I want to do is agree with your statement, is that scientifically that is proven, is because of the adolescent brain development, what happens is another process called pruning, where the brain actually destroys really good pathways that we liked and loved, including identity. Mm -hmm. So who your child, what they knew about themselves and what they loved about themselves, uh, that gets destroyed, which is illustrated in... I know in Disney Pixar's uh, Inside Out, that's not just like a cartoon movie. Go rewatch it. Mm. Okay. And then it's their, their self-esteem drops up to 30% because their brain is now rewriting a new, more complex, a sense of identity that is required for self-reflection. And that is a mark of a fully developed adult brain is a mature level of self-reflection. So for girls, the height of that, or the low point, call it what you will, is 14. For boys, it can be a little bit later. Um, So I want to just agree with, yes, that is totally true, scientifically proven. So what I recommend is before you reach that point, um, do the free five love languages quiz online. It's by Dr. Gary Chapman. You can Google it, five love languages quiz Do it yourself. If your child would choose to participate, please do not force them. Um, Do it, have them do it. But if they don't, you could probably look into it a little bit and see how they express them kindness or affection to their friends, to you, to their siblings, and probably guess on their love language. It will be be epically important in those times of low self-esteem that the way you are expressing love to them is the way their brain is wired to receive it. Mm. Not as Dr. Gary Chapman points out the way that we are wired to receive it. So we give what we want to receive, but that doesn't align with the person's other person's brain and how they are wired to receive it. So that is key. Number one, do the five love languages quiz. Okay. Find out what, what their love language of their brain is. Um, The second thing is, Uh, so this is all, okay, so this is a study that was done in 2019. uh, It's called Adolescent Connectedness. And that the number one factor that builds resilience, like protects your children from every single risk factor across the board is connectedness at home. Mm -hmm. Now, awesome, but what does that mean? Um, So what they mean in that study, what they found that means is frequent conversation, Okay. And I will go back to saying that doesn't mean you're talking. Nope. 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 Sure doesn't. It means you're the listening part of that conversation. Uh Okay. So listen, listen more, ask open ended curious questions without an agenda to any answer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So enough. So, so that's tip number two is just listen more. And just ask simple, open-ended questions, but don't ask too many because you will tip into interrogation real fast. Mm -hmm. Okay? Be less, just less. Um, Family dinners. Again, statistically across the board, Mm -hmm. families who have dinners three to four times per week with no technology at the table. No technology. That is what builds the capacity for these frequent conversations, which build this connectedness, which what what, what these studies are showing. Okay. Also uh, now I'm careful about this when I say this, but quality time, because not every, that's actually a love language, by the way, Mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with the five love languages, not every child's love language is quality time. So I want to preface this with the fact that teenagers, uh, I say in quotes, go dark teenagers go dark. Um, when in the teen years and it's because of their teen brain development, which is so all consuming that they want all of a sudden to spend most of, if not all of their time in their room Mm -hmm. on their phone and they start reaching out to friends more than they reach out to you. Okay. So this one is for you. The best way to get them through this self-esteem thing is to not take it personally, which I already mentioned, but here's why, because the minute you take it personally, you will behave in a way that will shame and guilt them Mm -hmm. and come from criticism, it's it's unconscious. Your beliefs drive your behavior. So check your belief, because to get them through this self-esteem thing, you're gonna need to check yourself. Are you trying to fix them? Because the minute you're trying to fix them, you are inherently saying what you're doing and being and the way you are is wrong. Mm You send that message and you're driving the self-esteem even further down the road. This is not personal. This is a function of their brain development. Love them through it. Be on their side without needing to fix them because they're not doing it right. And that's really hard because we were raised in that era. Okay. And then that goes back to this whole effed up thing about only happy emotions, good emotions, bad emotions. Stop it. Give your child the space to have bad emotions. If that's what you want to call them. Yeah. Give your space to have all the, give them space to have all the human emotions. Cause the minute you make some emotions, not okay, they have to hide those or if they have to abandon and suppress them. So if you want to get through this ugly dip, which is going to happen, you start celebrating and welcoming all the messy emotions. Why? Cause you're willing to listen, not take it personally, you know, their love language. That is, those are my top tips. There you go.
0: Ah, uh, I have so many other places we could go. We're going to have to schedule another interview if you would be so kind. Um, I would love it because I, I, well, and I think this is a good stopping point on all that because I think we really hit on some really important topics and I don't want to get messy with other stuff. I want to like land on this. Like we landed this, this, uh, this sport. What, what sport, by the way, were you in? And as an athlete?
1: Oh, I was in the mall. Um, <laughs> so what it was basketball, uh, and then into volleyball and then, uh, track and field and soccer.
0: Okay. I was, when I was saying landing, I was picturing like a gymnast landing her vault. <laughs> like we landed, we did a good job. We stuck the landing. And I, cause I, I want to get into like, in the next episode, everybody make sure you subscribe. So you don't miss it. I want to get into like entitlement and raising grateful kids and what what that looks like to us versus what it actually is so we're gonna do that but we're gonna do it in another okay episode.
1: okay I love it part two is coming
0: um I wrap up here with end of podcast questions for everybody so we'll do that this time this this time we won't have to do it next time um what is one thing professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet
1: I'm gonna be on Brené Brown's podcast yes. I'm gonna be on Unlocking Us
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. And
1: also write a book, but that's okay. But I'm going to be on Brené Brown's podcast.
0: I love it. And I love that you set, you stated it that way.
1: hundred percent. I'm going there.
0: And I'm going to buy that book by the way. Thank you. Um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Yeah.
1: You know what? I'm going to say Atlas of the heart, Mm. Atlas of the heart. Yeah. Dr. Brené Brown's Atlas of the heart. Understanding and naming emotions is one of the best it is the ticket to freedom in mm. your brain.
0: What about a kid's book or a teen book you recommend
1: for parents or for the teens?
0: For the kids,
1: kids or teens? Oh, I have I have book recommendations on my website. Um, there, there's uh, Queen Want Queen Bees Queen Wannabes. It's okay. about for girls about fitting in. Uh-huh. Um, gosh, there's one I think called Wild at Heart. I think, and I think it's great for boys yeah. um, as well. Yeah.
0: Um, and we are going to, we will link, I saw that page on your website with your book recommendations. The book recommend, yeah, they're all I'll link all there. that in yeah. sandyboyproductions.com in our show notes here. Um, do you have a trip or a place you've visited with your family? And tell us the ages of your kids when you did it that you would recommend.
1: Oh, we've been so fortunate to do so much travel. I, I looked at that question. I was like, dang, I, I'm not sure what, you know, I guess it was, it was the most recent trip. It was the last big trip. It was our kind of trip of a lifetime trip we took with our kids, knowing that there probably wouldn't be family trips for a while because they were 16 and 18, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Okay, yeah, 16 and 18. Uh, And we took them to Turks and Caicos. Wow. And it was a trip of a lifetime. We used all of the last points we had and all the things, um, and it was there's so much to do and see It's so unique. It's, it's eye candy. You won't even, it's like, you can't even believe it's real.
0: Mm. And then what is your last message to leave with our audience today?
1: This is not about fault and blame. Mm. It is not your teenager's fault. It is not your fault. Stop blaming yourself. Stop blaming your teen. This is about gaining awareness and understanding. Because you cannot fail at something for which you were never trained. Your teenager was never trained on how to be a teenager. No one told them this was going to happen. And no one told you as a parent this was going to happen. So take a breath and forgive yourself for whatever you're beating yourself up for. And then let's go back in with an open mind and let's start learning. Not because you're wrong or you're failing. Just drop it. Because you are the most amazing parent that ever was for your child. And I can prove that because you are their parent. Mm. <laughs> that was intentional. You're, you're their parent.
0: Allie, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I, I am so grateful for this.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Allie, for coming on the show. It was so great to get to know you, and I'm looking forward to another conversation with you coming up real soon. You all can follow Allie on Instagram. She's Allie, A-L-Y, Payne over there. You can find me. I am Lindsay Hines, 626, as well as this podcast, Why Is Everyone Yelling? Learn more about this show and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?